0: Brothers and sisters, we come to the part of the catechism about God the Son and our redemption in the, as we confess that in the Apostles' Creed with Lord's Day 11. Lord's Day 11, page 527 of the Book of Praise. There we confess the, the following. Why is the Son of God called Jesus, that is, Savior, because he saves us from all our sins, and because salvation is not to be sought or found in anyone else. Do those who seek their salvation or well-being, and saints in themselves or anywhere else, also believe in the only Saviour, Jesus? No. Though they boast of him in words, they in fact deny the only Saviour, Jesus. For one of two things must be true. Either Jesus is not a complete Saviour, or, Those who, by true faith, accept this Savior must find in him all that is necessary for their salvation. So far, our confession. (laughs) Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, this afternoon, then, we, we confess the name Jesus. And the name Jesus says a lot. When somebody says Jesus, every believer hears in that name, God's salvation for sinners. The, the name Jesus means savior. And th- that means he does it all, as we also confess in, in the uh, Lord's Day 11. He does it all. A savior is not really a savior if he only helps you to save yourself. The name Jesus means that he does it all. And so he is either our everything, Savior, our Savior, Jesus, or he isn't anything for us at all. That's one or the other. We can use his name then even reverently, but he isn't what his name means if we don't expect our complete salvation from him. He isn't really our Savior then. And see, that he is our Savior and our complete Savior means that that name has implications for us when we hear it, when we read it, when we say it. And that's what we're going to pay attention to this afternoon. We confess that God gave our Savior the name Jesus And we'll see how the confession of that name by uh, believers then brings to three things. It brings them to humility in the first place, to praise in the second place, and in the third place to proclamation. So first of all, the confession of the name Jesus by believers brings them to humility. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls also, We read from Matthew 1 how God the Father worked through time to to the arrival of his Son in this world in the flesh. He worked from generation to generation through the line of David. God kept his promise to send a Savior. You read that in that genealogy of Jesus through Joseph, the official genealogy by which he was king. And then when the time was right, God sent his son to be born of a woman, born of the covenant lineage of Abraham and the royal lineage of David, conceived by the Holy Spirit, yet with a fully human genealogy. And he commanded Joseph to call Mary's child Jesus, You are to call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So Jesus is Savior. In that child born of Mary, God sent salvation. And so that's a wonderful name. I read somewhere that Martin Luther, the reformer, once said, if I were God and mankind treated me the way it treated God, I would kick the whole world to pieces and started everything all over again. Luther said that to emphasize the wonder of God's mercy in Jesus' Savior. God the Father didn't give up on mankind after the fall. He came with a promise of salvation from sins for fallen people. He didn't throw creation and man's kind aside like a disposable paper towel after you've hand, washed your hands in the washroom. No, he decided to save and restore creation, to renew all things, and hence to, to deal with sin worked throughout the ages to send his son in the flesh for salvation. And therefore he told Joseph, name him Jesus, Savior. And when God says, name him that, then he is what his name means, Savior. And that's, that, that means Savior from sin. And that name should fill us with joy then. That name expresses God's infinite grace and mercy every time you hear that name, Jesus. At the same time, though, that name is very painful for us to confess, for believers to confess, because this name confronts us with our need for salvation. In other words, it confronts us with our fall, with our sins, our daily sins, The angel said to Joseph, you shall give the child of Mary the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Nobody can rightly confess the name Jesus unless he also fully confesses his sins and sinfulness. You can talk all you want about Jesus, how sweet the name and so on, but the name is not going to mean anything for you unless you also know your own sins and sinfulness before God, because the name Jesus means Savior from sins. That's why the first point of the sermon is that the confession of the name Jesus brings to humility for believers. For unbelievers, of course, they don't want to know about their sins, and they're not happy with that name. But for us it brings to humility, because this name reminds us of our sins, our condemnation because of sins. You've all become corrupt, says God in Scripture, and there is no one who does good. No, not one. And therefore, the only way things can be made right with me again is through my Son in the flesh, Jesus, Savior, So you see, the name Jesus means all of us, even the newly born, even the unborn, which the mothers still carry in their womb, are all corrupt in ourselves and condemnable before God in ourselves, deserving of eternal death. Unless we have a Savior, one who delivers us from our sins, saves us from our sins before God, we will all perish. So the name Jesus is a wonderful name to hear and to sing about, but it's a name that brings us shame, if we think about it. It means we are sinners who need to be saved. It exposes us as people who are from conception already unable and unwilling to do good by ourselves. God had to send his own son into this world, born of the Virgin Mary, in order to die, to suffer and to die, so that we could be saved from our sins. And if we truly confess that name, Jesus, then we have no right to look down on anybody else in this world with disdain either, as if we're any better than them. The angel said to Joseph, call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. His people, that means you and me, people who belong to God's covenant people. And of ourselves as his people, we're just as lost in sin as everybody else in the world. That's why God sent his son to save his people. His people needed saving, just like everyone else. They're sinners. And you realize then, too, that confessing this name has to bring us to deep, deep humility as congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, too. To be Church of the Lord doesn't mean look at how good and worthy we are. It means we hold to the name Jesus, which means we're all sinners here, too, who need to be saved from our sins. We we still sin every day, even as God's people, and we need this Savior. We need Jesus every day again. Every day, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, it isn't so that we can say at a certain point, okay, I've arrived at a certain level, and now I don't need Jesus anymore. Now I can do it myself. No, we need this Savior from sin all the time. Day by day. Notice how the catechism uses the present tense in the first answer because he saves us from our sins. That's why he's called Jesus. He saves us from our sins. He comes to us day by day with the promise of salvation from sins but we need to make use of that that promise every day again. Forgive our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us. Every day have to be forgiven. Every day renewed. And sometimes we think we're pretty far down the road of renewal already. And then when we start to think that. We fall again. And then we wonder how in the world we could have done that. How did I get to this? How could I think of that? And then we have to go back to him again. Jesus Savior, that name humbles us. Again, all of us in the church of Jesus, let's not think also in the church, I'm better than that person over there or that person over there. I would never do what they did. The implication is then that I don't need Christ as much as that other person over there. And the opposite could be true too. We shouldn't think either. I wish I was as good as that person. I'll never be good enough to be God's child, to be forgiven. And the implication is then that you you have to make yourself better outside of Jesus. Not the case. We all need Jesus equally, all of us. Savior from sin. Every one of us, every day again, outside of him, all of us are nothing but sinners outside of us uh, outside of him all of us are condemnable every one of us none better than the other that's what we mean when we confess his name all of us it's humbling that name jesus very humbling to realize that the name jesus means you have to be saved You need it just as much as everybody else. And that you can't do any good out of yourself. That you're even conceived and born in sin, wired for it, and therefore subject to condemnation out of yourself. A lot of people don't want to see themselves like that. They think they can still do something to save themselves from their sins and wrongs. And they talk about Jesus with reverence and joy. But in actual fact, as the Catechism says, though they boast of him in words, they in fact deny the only Savior. For one of two things must be true. Either Jesus is not a complete Savior, or those who by true faith accept this Savior must find in him all that is necessary for their salvation. You can talk about Jesus all you want, but if you're not completely dependent on him, on his salvation, As we confess in the catechism, you don't have Jesus. You can say, Lord, Lord. But he doesn't know you. And you don't know him. If you don't also confess him as the only savior from your sins and sinfulness. Of course, the catechism has in mind here the Church of Rome with its doctrine of good works and forgiveness also through calling on saints But Lord's Day 11 wasn't written in the first place to expose the faults of Rome or other churches or sects which don't hold Jesus as a complete savior from sin. This Lord's Day is primarily meant, is is meant as a warning for, for those who subscribe to this catechism. You and me. And it warns us, don't depend on yourselves or on anyone else in any way for any of your salvation, for your life. And we need that warning. We all do, right? It's not in our nature to want to live out of the complete grace of God and the forgiveness that there is in the name of Jesus. Martin Luther once stated, there's a little, there's a little papist hiding in each one of us. By nature, we all want to give God a hand. Even just to... Well, maybe just a finger, even just for 1%. Forget it. There's nothing we can do to make ourselves acceptable to God by ourselves, to make it right with him. There isn't a single thing for us to build our salvation on in ourselves. We, we have to seek it, as it says in our forms, completely outside of ourselves in Jesus, the only Savior from sins. He alone, He alone is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through Him. He is the door, the gate, the only one. He is the resurrection and the life. There is no salvation to be sought or found anywhere else outside of him. There is no future outside of giving yourself completely to him and to what he has worked for sinners. Oh, there might seem to be a lot to enjoy outside of Jesus Christ. A lot of people don't bother with Jesus, and they seem to have a good time. It's an illusion, an illusion for only when you humbly seek your life outside of yourself in him alone will there any, be any real life and peace and an eternal future for you. So the name Jesus humbles us. The name Jesus also brings praise, causes us to praise. That name, beloved, was actually a, a pretty common name at the time of Matthew 1, As you know, it's the Aramaic form of the name Joshua. Around the time of Jesus, they didn't speak Hebrew, but they spoke Aramaic. And Joshua was Jesus. And there were others in those days who were also named Jesus. In Colossians 4, Paul mentions a fellow evangelist who was called Jesus. And when Paul and Barnabas first came to Cyprus, they met a Jewish sorcerer in Paphos named Bar-Jesus, and Bar means son of, son of Jesus. The man's father had the name Jesus. There were other Jesuses. But God gave Jesus this name, which was actually fairly common in those days, and that's an amazing thing, because after all, he's the son of God, too. He was man, but at the same time, true God. And his Father in heaven named him. In John 14, he says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. He is what his name is. True God, the only Son of God, sent for our salvation by God, the Father. As it says, Matthew 1, he is Emmanuel, which means God with us. If you lived in those days and you saw Jesus walking down the street, you could say, there goes Emmanuel, God with us. Yet, God the Father did not tell Joseph to name Mary's child Emmanuel, son of God. And you never read in the Bible that... That people would call him this Emmanuel. He never called himself Emmanuel. No, God gave him the common name Jesus. And why? In order to impress on us that the mighty God who saves really became true man, one of us, one of us in every respect, even in the name he received. His name says that he, he really became one of us to work our salvation. There's a Jesus there and one over there and, and him too. You can think here too of that genealogy, Matthew 1, when you go through that list of ancestors of our Savior, you see a name like Tamar, daughter-in-law of the patriarch Judah with whom he committed adultery and who had two children by him, one of them Perez. You see the name Rahab. You know that Rahab was a prostitute of Jericho who hid the spies and was saved when the people uh, conquered that city. And Matthew 1 mentions King David. You know how David committed adultery with Bathsheba. That's highlighted there. The wife of Uriah. Not really ancestors to be proud of, right? This is not what you were looking for when you were looking for your genealogy. I think we'd be more inclined to feel kind of ashamed of them, not the Lord Jesus. He had them listed here in Matthew 1. And he says, with that, I came for people like that. I came not for the righteous, but for sinners. I'm not ashamed to call people like that my brothers and sisters. I'm not ashamed to be Lord of people like you either here in church this afternoon. Imperfect people like you and you with all kinds of sins and shortcomings. Doesn't that make the name Jesus a name worth praising, congregation? That name Jesus says he really became one of us completely to save us from our sins. That's what had to happen. God came, became one of us to save us He wasn't a separate, special being who came from somewhere else and was different from us. No, the Son of God humbled himself and became one of us, came down to our level in order to be truly what his name means, Savior of his people, took our flesh and blood, also took a name among us, became like us in every respect, sin accepted sin accepted, unlike us in that one respect, no sin. And in that, he was truly unique without sin. And therefore, he could be the lamb without blemish required to satisfy for sins. He had been, we have been sanctified, set apart once for all by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. So that name Jesus means son of God, become one of us, humbled himself for us, even to death on the cross, an accursed death, in order to give us a complete salvation. Complete salvation from sin, brothers and sisters, boys and girls. That name, therefore, expresses the fullness, the completeness of his salvation. This was God in the flesh who gave himself up So that we might be saved from our sins. Completely. So that we don't have to add a thing to it. As long as we embrace this Jesus in faith. We have everything. Totally everything we need to be saved and to live with God forever. He saves sinners and tax collectors and adulterers completely. When they're joined to him. By faith. We're all sinners. None of us has a future unless we seek it 100% in him. This Jesus gives us... He in fact, it says in Revelation, he gives us a new name. He gives us a new name, a new reputation before God, because that's what a name actually ultimately is. A new reputation. That's how he, he puts it in Revelation 2.17 himself. He says there, to him who overcomes, I will give him a white stone. And on that stone, a new name. A new name on a white stone, pure white. Most of us like our names. We have such imperfect names, though, when it comes down to it. Tarnished, tarnished with sin. Who doesn't have sin in his or her past? Who doesn't have sins which come back to haunt you sometimes? How could I? But the Lord Jesus promises that whoever believes in him, whoever overcomes him or herself and embraces Jesus in faith, he will give him a new name, a completely white and clean reputation before God. In fact, he will give us his name, his perfect righteousness and satisfaction as if it were completely and fully our own, as if I had never had nor committed any sin my whole life long. Doesn't that make that name of Jesus worthy of praise with mouth and deed? Don't you just want to glorify him every day then? And doesn't that make the Lord's Supper, too, meal of communion with Jesus, something to look forward every time again, and a baptism? So that, that name brings to humility, it brings to praise, and it also brings to proclamation. That's the third thing. So many people nowadays think they can live without Jesus as the complete Savior, They think they can find their salvation and well-being somewhere else. Outside of him. Outside of his gospel. His will. But the name Jesus, Savior, means all or nothing. No salvation or well-being can be found outside of Jesus Christ. Your salvation and life can be found in relationship with him alone. A living relationship, personal relationship with Jesus. His resurrection from the dead shows that. There's no life to be sought outside of Jesus Christ. We need to embrace Him in faith, put our hope in Him, follow Him alone, give our life over to His Lordship, every part of it. Nowadays, the political and economic and cultural life of our nation is being completely separated from God. You hear that in Quebec. All who work for the government have to be completely secular. Religion is for the ignorant. You don't want to push it on anybody. Life and future are basically, it comes down to this, life and future are in the hands of man himself. And then God gives man over to himself, too. Then he's going to let him run after all kinds of futile ideas and endeavors. And then even though man can accomplish amazing things and is able to exercise control over quite a bit of God's creation, in the end he has to realize that he's only causing more and more problems. Every time he solves something, he creates more problems. Outwardly, there seems to be a lot of progress then, for example, in technology and economy, that more and more difficulties, hardships, and fears are caused all the time, too. They pop up all over the place. You find the cure for one disease, and the medicine brings another one on the scene. You organize the economy in a certain way and you get the sudden fluctuation in the money market that scares everybody and brings stagnation. You change the law to prevent that crime and a new crime develops somewhere else. People figure out another way to get what they want from others. The world which forsakes God and seeks its well-being outside of Jesus is more and more... Given over to itself in the end. And then we see it all heading towards the destruction of Babylon, really. Man can't build, he'll never be able to build the new world order he's looking for. The better world he's trying to build out of himself isn't going to come about as. And history shows that, right? How many empires haven't there been who are just covered with sand now and lost? But the new world, which Jesus Christ is bringing about, is coming for certain. Because he dealt with the root of all problems, which is sin. He saves from sin. He died and rose again and is seated at the right hand of God in heaven from where he governs all things and leads them ceaselessly to his purpose the new heavens and the new earth the name jesus means that you you can and you need to seek your salvation and well-being only in him the savior from sin he saves and he only saves from sin and all its effects he alone also from the destruction that is coming over the world And brothers and sisters, as such, the name Jesus then calls us to proclaim that to the world. Think of what the Apostle Peter proclaimed to the crippled man at the temple gate in Acts 4. Salvation is to be found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And and that should be our call to the world, too. If we really confess the name Jesus saves us from our sins. If we proclaim that name Jesus from the heart, that name should stimulate us to call out to everybody. People, salvation and well-being can't be found anywhere else than in Jesus, crucified, risen. Believe him. Outside of Him, you have nothing. There is no hope. There is no future. No future for culture, politics, education, economy, labor. No future for life. Because He saves from sin. See, the name Jesus, if we really want to truly confess that name, that's going to lead us not only to humility, to praise. And joy but also straight to mission and evangelism there is no life and future for your neighbor outside of the Savior Jesus either he or she needs to hear that and we shouldn't be ashamed to let them hear it we should want them to hear it at least if that name is truly our joy and our hope. If it is, we, we can't keep that name to ourselves, can we? We want others to hear that name and what it means before it's too late for them. We'll want to speak it, live it, support it by supporting mission and evangelism and broadcasts and distribution of Bibles and so on. And when people are called to seek their life in the Savior Jesus, then we know too that God's kingdom is coming, right? Will come to its fullness. Then those for whom Jesus worked salvation for will be gathered into his church and his kingdom. And then in his time, he'll come back to take all his people, all the people he saved from their sins, He will take them into his eternal joy. And those who despise that message in the name Jesus will be cast outside into outer darkness. And then it'll be seen by all men and all creation that Jesus is truly the only Savior, the Savior from sin and all its effects. And then, as we sang about in in that hymn, as it says in Philippians 2, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen.